0: Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast by the Timothy Project. Tune in to an intriguing, mind stimulating podcast where your mind boggling questions in the Bible are analyzed. Simply breaking down mysteries in the Bible, precept upon precept in the scriptures until we see Jesus. Be blessed as you listen.
1: Hello, TTP family. Welcome back. This is another episode of Between the Lines, the official podcast. For the Timothy Project, I am your host, Eugenia Kekeli, and I am excited to have you here today. As usual, I'm not alone. I have some lovely guests with me, and I'll allow them to say hi themselves. Beth say hi.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm looking forward to today's uh, conversation. and We are hoping that uh, whatever we are able to lay out today would be one that will be insightful, edify you, and help you in your walk with God we uh, looking forward to an
1: insightful discussion tonight, as usual. As usual, indeed. And speaking of excitement, we have a very special somebody in the house. Somebody I've been waiting for for years, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I will go on ahead and introduce yourself.
3: Hi, guys. Yes, yeah, so um, Eugenia's wait is over. <laughs> I'm here. I'm looking forward to a very interesting and insightful discussion today so I'm as, I'm as excited as she is so let's see how it goes
0: okay okay okay
1: okay okay. great 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 now I mean if you've listened to the previous episode you know that currently we're on a series Pneuma, um, the Holy Spirit and this is the second installment in that series uh, but if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet I'm going to let Ivan do like a very short Recap of what that um, the first instalment was, but it will be best if you go back and listen to it too because, Charlie, there are so many gems in there that you know would bless you. Um, Ivan, if you could recap our first instalment.
3: All right. So, um, I think on our last instalment, we we started off on the topic of the Holy Spirit, um, which is our theme for this year in the Timothy Project. So we started speaking about the Holy Spirit, who he was. Um, We spoke about the fact that he was the um, living, personal, active presence of the Godhead. And then um, we went on to talk about um, the Trinity, um, the um, Trinitarian nature of God, or the Triune nature of God, talking about how um, it is quite difficult for us as humans to understand how God could have, or how God could be three persons in one. And then um, one of my favorite parts was the illustration about the square and the cube. I won't go into that illustration because I want you to go and listen to the previous podcast and read the blog. But it's a very interesting illustration and it opens up um, um, our minds to why it's, It is quite difficult for us not to fully grasp um, God's nature being three in one. And I think we also looked at some scriptures that um, in which the scripture in the Bible uses words that describe God or that describe the Godhead and uses those same words to describe the Holy Spirit. I think one of those scriptures was 2 Corinthians 3 from verses 17 to 18. Um, the word Paul uses um, for Lord is the same word he eventually uses to describe the spirits in verse 17 which says now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom so basically last week we just um, put ourselves into the, the whole theme and topic of the Holy Spirit trying to find out who he is and what exactly he does in the Godhead or and how he is a member of the godhead and how the godhead is made up of three persons in one so basically that's how last week's conversation went our previous conversation went yeah
1: awesome so now you guys know why i've been waiting for Ivan to come because you do half of my job for me like i won't have to talk as much <laughs> so that was a great recap but like he mentioned i think that it will be so great if you read the blog yourself or you listen to the podcast, um, there's just so many nuances in there that you know can't be captured in a summary. So you should check that out. And if you have already, well, welcome to this new installment. This um, this installment is titled "The Holy Spirit." breath, wind, and fire. Now, I don't know how your introduction to the Holy Spirit went, but one way or another, he was probably characterized as one of these things or some other things. And in our exploration into the purpose and the character and the person of the Holy Spirit, of course, we have to talk about the different ways that Bible characterizes him um, and the different languages that we use to characterize the Holy Spirit. So speaking of languages, we know that the Bible was not originally written in English and biblical authors used you know, lovely, uh, even I would say poetical language in describing God. I think one of my favorite lines from um, the blog post was that uh, one of our inherent difficulties in engaging in any discourse about God is employing a finite tool, that's language, to describe an infinite God. So we're trying to explain something we don't understand um, using things that we do understand. But let me not take all the heat off of this. Let me allow um, Pastor Bethmond bougie Pastor B, as I like to call him, to explain to us how metaphors found their way into biblical language.
2: Okay, Um, so like you said, um, one of the difficulties in talking about God or anything that is infinite that we cannot fully grasp or uh, easily comprehend is that um, we are left with a finite tool, language, right? Uh, To be able to describe something that is in the category of the infinite. Uh, When it comes to uh, the biblical authors, one of the tools they employ to help them describe some of these things is the the, is the use of metaphors. Uh, in most um, uh, English literature, or in most uh, uh, languages, in, in the study of literature, we realize that there are literary devices and tools that we use to get our thoughts and our expressions across. Uh, we have similes, there are, there are analogies, um, uh, in fact, there is a, an entire field of uh, philosophy mm-hmm. that's deals with what we call the God talk, right? Whether or not we are able to even talk about God at all. And uh, we look at, uh, if anybody's interested in the philosophy of religion, philosophy 101, those are some of the things that you can look at. But like I was saying, the tools that the um, uh, biblical authors employ, one of the main tools they use is the use of metaphor. And uh, we see this in our everyday language. When we employ metaphors to to talk about something, we are are borrowing a certain attribute or a certain characteristic of that thing, the finite thing, to be able to describe something else. So, for instance, um, when uh, we say a human being is a pig or somebody is a pig, you are not referring to the notion that the person goes around crawling on all fours or the person has a snout, right? But there is something about a pig that you want to attribute to that person. It could be the pig's dirty nature most of the time, or the person is very disorganized. So when you you say someone is a pig, you, you have employed a metaphor, and we are not necessarily stuck on the absurdities that may arise. For instance, in the book of Psalms, when it says, the Lord is my rock or the Lord is my fortress, you are not supposed to think that God is made up of stone or God is made up of a, a, a solid mass of rock, right? But he's talking about the the stability and mm-hmm. the, the 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 defense that God brings in the form of a huge rock or a boulder, the way it guards and shapes people or the way it forms a stable ground on, on which um, uh, edifices are built, that is in the setting and their day. So yeah, that's 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 what we we what we describe when we say um, uh, when it comes to the God talk, when we are describing things pertaining to God, sometimes we have to employ the use of metaphors. Uh, particularly when it comes to the Holy Spirit, um the first metaphor we usually see used in relation to the holy spirit is breath breath right time and time again the holy spirit is uh, referred to as the breath of god the interesting thing about this um, uh, metaphor is that in the original hebrew there is no proper distinction between breath and spirits that is the word that is used and usually the distinction is made Uh, depending on the context in which the word appears. And sometimes the the lines are intentionally blurred by the authors, right? Because they they want to put certain thoughts across and that is the only way they are able to put those thoughts across. Uh, The Hebrew word for breath in the Old Testament is the word ruach, right? When when the biblical authors use the word breath or wind, or spirit right they are they are connoting the fact that even though the holy spirit cannot be seen just like the wind or breath cannot be seen it is real and yet is powerful and has no physical form so that that's what you are supposed to glean from that also when the holy spirit is the the is is a is conveyed in the uh, metaphor of breath, we are also looking at the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some scriptures. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, uh, we are reading a, uh, the summary of how God made man. The Bible says, then the Lord God found man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Then man became a living soul. Um. So in this verse, uh, Moses, who uh, Genesis is attributed to, is employing what we call an, uh, anthropomorphical language, right? Anthrop- Anthropomorph. So he's attributing um, human characteristics to God, right? To get a point across. We know that the Godhead, God, is a spirit, right? So, and mm. God does not breathe in, Oxygen, neither does he exhale carbon dioxide. So when he says God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life, what is actually going on here? If you look at mm-hmm. Job's rendering of the same of the same idea in Job chapter thirty-three verse four, he says, "The spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life." So what? The, the authors are trying to get across here is that it is the Holy Spirit that animated man. Genesis says that God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So our physical bodies, God made from the dust of the ground. And what makes us different or what gives us life is that the Holy Spirit of God is what animates us. It's the Spirit of God that gives us life. In fact, um, uh, if you look at our physical composition, right, human beings are mostly carbon, and that is why when when a man gives up his ghost and is put into the ground, the flesh just decays and becomes like the dust of the ground, because that is where we are from, and that is where God says we will return in this body until He comes and raises us up from the dead. Right, and um, when it comes to our disposition as human beings, it is very important that we understand that the spirit of God is what makes the difference in us and it's what animates us. Because in on the sixth day when God made man, man was not the only being made on the sixth day. The animals, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the, all the, the, the living things that creep in the ocean, everything was made on the sixth day. The difference between the beast of the field and mankind is that the source of our life, what animates us is the spirit of God. And God made us in his image to bear his likeness. So the one thing that keeps you and I alive is the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is signified as the breath of God, we are looking at uh, the life-giving power of God. Right. So for instance, when you look at this this life-giving power of God, we do not only see it as creation, but we also see the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit as the recreation of man, or what we call the regeneration. Mm. In the regeneration. For for instance, in John chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about the new birth, he says that, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6, he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the same way the Holy Spirit is the one that animates the body of man and brings him to life is the same way the Holy Spirit, as the breath of God, animates our dead spirits and brings us back to life in Christ, right? Um, I think is it Titus chapter three, verse five? For he says, When the kindness of God our savior appeared he saved us, not by any works of righteousness that we have done, but by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Spirit. That is how we are born again. We are born again by the Spirit.
1: Right. Wow. You know, whenever uh, we have any of these discourses, it really drives home for me the fact that Scripture is inspired because which human would come up with this? Like... (laughs) you know it's 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 so um I don't even know like how to to make that connection that between you know us you think of how we breathe and how it's essential to our living like if you stop breathing you're dead more or less you're a vegetable and then you think of it a relation to the Holy Spirit being the breath of life like being the one that animates us as you said or being more or less the source of our life Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 actually like it deepens um if you really think about it the way your breath is essential to your everything then in that vein our life in Christ in our life in Christ the Holy Spirit should be essential to every single thing we do because he is our breath he is our our inhale and our exhale
2: exactly
1: that's that's actually very beautiful um you know and it's it's good it's good to learn these things and and the metaphor is, is very wild you know i mean we say these things and i think that's one thing that um you know we trivialize these things as christians because we become used to hearing them in church they become like these standard phrases that we're used to like oh the holy spirit is the breath of god or is the breath of life And we hear it and we're like, okay, cool, great. Moving on without pausing to really understand the nuances behind that. um, Not even just the nuances, what it actually just simply means, you know, in plain language. Um, Ivan, what do you think of this amazing metaphor about how the Holy Spirit is literally our breath?
3: I think um, it's it's quite interesting that... um, Scripture would use such a metaphor to describe the Holy Spirit because um, they, to me it's it appears as if time um, human beings are living without the Spirit, then it means that we are lacking a very essential part of our living or an essential part of what God created us to be. So mm-hmm. to me it means that anytime there's a person who, is not born again, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside him. The person is actually not functioning at 100% humanity.
1: Basically a zombie.
3: Yeah, the person is actually (laughs) not so different from other creatures. And that's telling, that's very telling. And it tells Mm -hmm. probably tells why um, people who are not living with the Holy Spirit inside them would probably take certain decisions so easily and sometimes to a believer uh, to a believer to sound like this is so absurd but to the person he doesn't see anything wrong with it because
1: with,
3: yeah he doesn't have the life of god he doesn't have the breath of god living inside him so yes yeah, quite interesting
1: I mean, I like what you just said. I mean, and, and you know, I made a comment about it. Like, you're basically a zombie. And now it's dawning on me that it's really true because, I mean, you watch all these movies and a a zombie is basically just seeking for his base needs. He wants to feed on meat or blood or whatever it is. And, like, that's, like, basic design. Just, that's all they're focused on on getting. There's no, I mean, the zombie is not trying to have a philosophical... Um, argument and understand where he's coming from. All he's thinking about is food, blood, infects other people, right? And you think about it, that's really how it is when we're living in the world. It's, it's all about our base desires and it's all about acquiring things for ourselves and satisfying uh, our basic needs or the, the fleshly needs that we have. And we're basically dead to our spirits when we're living in the world, yeah. yeah that's that's very, true. True. Wow. Um, I'm excited to go to to the next metaphor, and and you know, at the end of well, towards the end of the podcast, I would like us all to you know reflect on how this affects us personally. Because I mean, it's all well and good to finally come to recognition of what these things mean, but then without practicalizing them, it, it just becomes another theoretical discourse. With no actual action behind it, that no change of heart, no you know improvement, right? But that's towards the end. Um, so let's move on to the next metaphor. We hear about the Holy Spirit as wind. Pastor B take us through that.
2: Okay. So the interesting thing, uh, like I was saying in the beginning, is that um when we read our scriptures and we see the Holy Spirit described as the wind of God, or the, the wind of the Lord, the Lord sent a strong wind. It's the same word for the, for the breath of God. That's what I say that the context usually determines how the word is translated or how the word is understood. Right? So it's the same word, ruach. Uh, if you want to spell it, you can do um, R-U-A-C-K-H or C-H. right? Um, uh, that's usually the way it is um, transliterated in English. Um, When the Holy Spirit is referred to as wind, the main idea, right, the central idea that is usually being communicated is that the Holy Spirit is the executing power of the Godhead. So, for instance, even in Genesis 2, which we just looked at, where he is, he is referred to as the breath of life, or, or as breath, right, that God breathed into us, that Job says, it's the breath of the Almighty that gives me life. Even though in that sense, the main idea being communicated is that he is the life-giving power, the idea of the executing power of God, too, is at play there. Because in Genesis one twenty seven, God says, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, and let him have dominion over the uh, birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, and over every living creature. When God was doing it, the means through which he animated and executed that that will, that agenda, was by his spirit. right? But even though, I just want to show that, even though the main idea is that he's the life-giving power, the underlying current or the underlying torrent of and um, him being the executing power of God is seen at play there. But let's look at it in more um, explicit forms. In Genesis chapter, uh, sorry, in Psalm 33 verse six, scripture says that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made by the breath or the ruach of his mouth, all the apostles, right? So for anyone who has, read your Bible uh, over and over again, you you have an idea of a certain Trinitarian worldview, right? Uh, especially if you followed us last week too as well. And you've even read in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And without, through him were all things made and without him was nothing made that was made. So we see the Word at work here. It says, by the Word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breast of his mouth all their hosts. So Yes, the word is at work in creation. The executing power, he says, and by the breath of his mouth. In this verse, there, there is a measure of both ideas, right? That the Holy Spirit is the executor of God's will as well as the life-giving source for all creation. In in um, uh, Job 26, 12 to 13, it says, by his power, he stilled the sea. And by his understanding, he shattered rehab. By his wind, ruach, the heavens were made fair. By uh, his hand pierced the fleeting serpent. This is Job talking about the, when the fleeting serpent is talking about uh, this force of decreation, right? That's a different conversation. Also, what we see is that at the parting of the Red Sea, we, in Exodus, we read about how God is re- uh, rele- redeeming the nation of Israel, and releasing them from captivity and sending them into the promised land. They get to a place where they are cornered and they don't know where to turn. Behind them is the is Pharaoh and his horsemen. In front of them is the Red Sea. And God, Moses lifts up prayer to God and God tells him to stretch forth his hand over the sea. So yeah, we know, most of us know the story. In Exodus chapter 15, when they cross over to the other side and they are singing the praise of God, this is how they summarize the events that have happened. He says, "At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled; them. the flood stood up in a heap, and the deep congealed in the heart of the sea. You blew your wind, ruach; the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters." So, what the scripture is telling us is that when when God was about to save His people. The Holy Spirit, who was the executing power of God, came down in, as when imparted the Red Sea. Right. So what we see here is this, and, and not only did the Holy Spirit part the Red Sea, He also affected the nation of Israel when the the nation of Egypt when they pursued the uh, Israelites in the Red Sea. So here's here's what you should notice. I, I use it. We use a term in the blog post that I want to highlight. So, whether it is an act of creation or decreation, the Holy Spirit, as the wind of God, is the executor of God's will. So, we, we, we see the clear part in creation. Now, when we say decreation, decreation is a moment of judgment in scripture. You know, one of the things I must understand is that the same way God creates, God decreates. And judgment is always a form of decreation. That is why the final form of judgment for sin is death, right? Because mm. when God, the God who creates is the God who decreates as well, right? And whether it is in creation or decreation or judgment, the Holy Spirit is the executor of God's will. In, 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 um, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, when Ezekiel is, is prophesying about the experience of regeneration of the new birth, there is there is an interesting uh, uh, phrase that he uses. That, that, that I think the whole scripture there is quite, quite telling. Um, for us uh, new believers, this is how we see the executing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, in Exodus chapter 36, uh, Ezekiel, sorry, Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, he says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, the Hebrew here is ruach, right? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, so that you will be careful to obey my rules. God's problem with humanity and the nation of Israel is that consistently we are not able to execute his will. We are not able to obey him. We are not able to live for him. But we have seen that the Holy Spirit is the one who is able to execute God's will to the letter. So Mm -hmm. what does God do in our salvation? God puts the Holy Spirit in us so that the executor of God's will now dwells in you and causes you to do the will of God. Wow. Right. And that is why Paul will say in Philippians chapter two, that it is God that is at work in us, both to will and to do wow. according to his good pleasure.
1: Wow. Right. That has never occurred to so me. <laughs>
2: So when we we say the Holy Spirit is the wind of God, what we are saying is that the Holy Spirit is the one who executes God's will. And in our life, what we are seeing is that it is the Holy Spirit who causes us to do the will of God. Mm. Right. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do the will of God. And that is why even after Jesus gave his disciples the commission to go out and preach the gospel to all nations, he says that they should wait for the promise of the Father. Because Mm. when you receive the Holy Spirit, now you receive power to do the mission that I have sent you to go and do.
1: Wow. This is very amazing. Um, It's just startling for me that, I mean, none of what you're saying is something I've not heard before. And yet, in a way, it's something I've I've not heard before, if that makes (laughs) any sense. Like I've, I've heard I've heard the words before, but I, I don't think I've understood them um, in the way they, they, they ought to have been understood. It's very interesting. Uh, but before we move to like a serious discussion on this, did anyone else like imagine God blasting his nostrils at the Red Sea?
3: <laughs> because- I I knew Eugenia would have such an imagination.
2: <laughs> I just knew it. Like, I mean, the first time like, I the first time I read this scripture as a young person, that is exactly how I saw it.
1: Exactly, who wouldn't? Because I was like, if initially I was like, it's like you know when you are drinking something hot and then you are blowing at it, like whoo whoo And then i are like, no no no, his nostrils. <laughs> it's just such a funny picture to imagine. Um, but stick it with us we're going for a really short break we'll be right back we'll discuss a bit more in depth about um, the Holy Spirit as the wind of God and then we'll talk about the Holy Spirit as fire and our personal growth um, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit based on the knowledge we've gotten from these characterizations see you in a few minutes we're back again uh you're listening to between the lines the official podcast for the timothy project if you're not following us on our social media please make sure to do so on ig we are the underscore timothy underscore project on twitter we are at ttp underscore ghana and on facebook we are the timothy project make sure to follow us subscribe like comment share Let's let's grow together. Let's have a relationship. Let's have uh, conversations, and you know, let's 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 get to know each other. We're, we're excited to hear about you. So before we went on the break, um we had an amazing breakdown into understanding um the Holy Spirit as characterized by wind, or by characterized as the wind of God, right? From Bougie Pastor B, and I want to hear Ivan's take on it personally. I'm- I'm still, I'm still digesting all I had. Uh, but Ivan, what's your take on all of this?
3: Yeah, so um, one thing I noticed was that from the, f- the first few examples from scripture that we saw about the Holy Spirit being the wind, um, we or being characterized as wind, we saw that um, the characteristics were most, mostly had to do with inanimate things. So in um, Psalm 33, It spoke about um, creation, the Holy Spirit in creation, where it says that, and by the breath of his mouth, all the who's talking about um, the Lord making the heavens, then it spoke about, um, so well, that's not an inanimate thing, but then it spoke about Job um, Job 26, verse 12 to 13, um, where it also spoke, let me see, so 13, by his wind, the heavens were made, fear by his hand his hand pierced the f- uh, fleeing serpent and then exodus 15 speaks about um, god parting the sea by the wind which is the holy spirit so most of these things have to do with more like external um, they're like external um, external examples that we can see okay. or external manifestations of the holy spirit Right. But the last example in Ezekiel spoke about the Holy Spirit working in us or working in its immediate context, speaking about um, the people of Israel, the Israelites, working in them to cause them to be able to do God's will. And it's it to me, it shows that the Holy Spirit's um, ability is not limited when we describe the Holy Spirit as wind is not necessarily limited to just um probably coming onto the earth to come and do some amazing signs and wonders for us to be excited about, or to link us to creation, how God created things. But it's also a force um, that God puts within us. He's also a force that God puts within us to to help us to be able to do the things that he has desired. So um, it's closely related to the Holy Spirit being the breath of God, but in, in 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 characterizing him as breath, he's more life-giving. In characterizing him as wind, he's more of an empowering force. And that's what mm. I took from the um the breakdown that Pastor Bethmon gave. Yeah,
1: right. That was that was amazing. I, I I really loved that last part. In characterizing him as breath, he's more life-giving. And in characterizing him as wind, he's more empowering. Um that's amazing i think for me that what struck me the most is um, the fact that the holy spirit characterized as wind is the executor of god's will <clears throat> and um, knowing the will of god is something that a lot of christians seem to struggle with like it, it, it it's a it's a very difficult thing for especially new age christians um, you know Understanding what the will of God is or knowing what the will of God is, it seems to be a confusing ground. In fact, hearing from God seems to have become sort of a thing reserved for an elect few in the Christendom as opposed to something that every Christian should have. Because we all have the Holy Spirit in us. He's our seal. He is, you know, proof of the fact that we have been reconciled with God and we have been birthed anew. And so having the Holy Spirit in us should, should um, be a way through which we're able to know God's will and even more so to do God's will, right? Because that's the second group of Christians that are cropping up now, uh, people that are aware of what God's will is, but can't seem to find the power or the ability to do God's will. And for me, it's just becoming more glaringly obvious that it's because we sort of um, diminish the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, into, like Ivan mentioned, these external miraculous wonders, completely ignoring the amazing, amazing, impressive work that he does internally in the life of every believer. And you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of food for thoughts. It's a buffet for thoughts, actually. Uh, if, if you're concerned or you're um, confused on what God's will for your life is, uh, I put it to you that perhaps you've not had a conversation with the Holy Spirit in a long while. Uh, or if you're struggling to follow through on God's will, perhaps we're, we're not paying attention to the leading of the Spirit in our lives, you know. Uh, but it's it's amazing to, to 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 hear this. It's challenging. It's challenging. Next time, you know, I'm struggling to do something. This this will be my reminder that you, the Holy Spirit is in you, and so you are enabled to do this thing, even though it seems difficult. And I'll leave you without food for thought as we go to our last and final metaphor for this episode, the Holy Spirit, as fire. Pastor B, take it away.
2: Okay. So when we describe the Holy Spirit as fire, there are um, a couple of things that are being uh, brought on board here. Right, The first thing uh, the biblical authors usually are trying to point to is they are trying to talk about the manifest presence of God. One of the things we know about God as an attribute is that just because of his immensity and his infiniteness, God is omnipresent, right? That means God is everywhere. But the fact that God is everywhere does not mean that you and I feel God's presence or we see God's presence everywhere, right? So most often when the biblical authors are talking about the, the manifest presence of God and how does God show up in throughout the Old Testament and even when they, they're using it in metaphorical sense, the, the metaphor that is usually employed is the metaphor of fire right and uh, usually when somebody is with you or somebody important is with you, weight, the weight that intangible mm-hmm. intangible weight that you feel it, uh, by virtue of their presence is what the biblical authors call kabob, or the glory Right. And that is what the um, uh, Biblical artists are pointing to. In Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses and commissions him for the first time, we see the scene. Moses is standing to his father-in-law's sheep in the wilderness. He sees a bush that is on fire, that is not necessarily burning, and he approaches the bush. And all of a sudden, he is hearing God from the midst of the bush. Right, Mind you, when we were starting this entire series on the Holy Spirit, we said the Holy Spirit is the active manifest presence of God. Active manifest presence of God. So when Moses gets to the burning bush and he's talking to God, he's speaking to the active because God is acting in that moment. He's speaking to the manifest because he can tell and see it there and he's speaking to the and he's speaking to God. The presence of God is there with him. Are are, are, are you tracking with me? Yeah. Yeah. So when he gets to the burning bush, the Holy Spirit, who is God, has appeared to. You see, sometimes we, we, we want to form a certain dichotomy. Is it the Father? Is it the Son? the Holy Spirit is God. So God is there in the moment. Right. Speaking to, speaking to Moses. Then another time when God is leading the children of Israel, the Bible tells us that during the day, he led them as a pillar of cloud, right? And during the night, he led them as a pillar of fire. How did the children of Israel know that God was with them? How did they know that God's manifest active presence was with them? It was a cloud by day, and it was fire by night. Mm. Right. And, and, and the, the, the most telling one for the nation of Israel is when, in Exodus chapter 19, when mm-hmm. they as a nation were about to meet God for the first time, the Bible said that God told them that they should sanctify themselves three days, they should prepare themselves for on the third day, God will meet with them. And the Bible says in the Exodus the 19 from reading from verse 17, that Moses brought all the people out of the camp to meet the Lord, to meet God. And they took their stand as the foot of the mountain. Now my, my channel was wrapped up in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. How did God descend on the mountain? How did the active presence manifest? How did the active manifest presence of God come down to meet his people, he came in the form of fire. And this is what the writer of Hebrews alludes to when he says that, for our God is a consuming fire. Are we together? Yeah.
1: Definitely, yeah.
2: But beyond signifying God's active presence, his manifest presence in our life, the when the biblical authors also use the metaphor of fire or yes or the symbol of fire they are speaking about the approval of god the approval of god for instance in leviticus chapter 9 when moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and establishing the priesthood god showed his approval of the work of moses by coming down in a form of fire to consume the sacrifice on the altar Remember, when Moses was about to build the tabernacle and establish the priesthood and all those things, God told him that you must build it exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. So one of the things that we must understand is that in our dealings with God, right, there are things that God does not deviate from his standard. And we don't have room to employ creativity. What we have to do is to obey. And Mm. there are avenues and there are places where God allows us to express our creative freedom. The question is what kind of task has God called you to perform? And and is it a task where you can explore your your creative freedom? right? When God says speak to the rock, that is not a time to strike it. Mm. Mm. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let me me come back. I'm almost entering preaching mode. Let me come back to Discussion mode, (laughs) right? So after Moses had finished setting up everything according to the pattern that God has showed him, the Bible says that and uh, Leviticus chapter nine verse twenty two. And Moses went out into Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they had come out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord, and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. How did God show his approval that Moses had done everything that he had requested of him? The Bible says, number one. God came down. They saw his presence, right? And the fire came from the Lord to consume the offering on the altar. If anyone of you is, uh, has been in church for a while, you're familiar with Bible stories. One of the stories that you're very familiar with is the... Is the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel.
3: Yeah.
2: The nation of Israel had the backslidden. They had gone their own way. In fact, one of, one of the, the hidden things that in this battle is that what, when you understand what is happening, you realize that God is, God is a, a genius, right? There's no, there's no one that compares to him anyway in terms of wisdom. So the, 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 the God Baal, which the nation of Israel had turned to, is the God of rain and candor. Right, Mm -hmm. the God of rain and thunder. How does God punish the children of Israel for turning from Him, the giver of life, to the God of rain and thunder? He causes a drought. No way! Wow! Oh Lord! Right. So you (laughs) guys are turning from me, from me to this. I'll show you who's really in charge.
3: Right.
2: Right. So He causes there to be a drought. Then. Uh, in, in the showdown on Mount Camel, everyone is supposed to call on their God. But how does God show his approval for Elijah? That Elijah is my man, Elijah is the one uh, that represents me. He answers Elijah by fire.
3: Mm.
2: Right. He answers Elijah by fire. You know, there's this, in, in a lot of times in charismatic say the God that answers by fire should answer us. But what we must understand is that God does not just answer by fire. God's answer by fire is his approval upon you. So if you are saying the God of fire, the God who answers by fire should answer you. The first question is, am I approved by God? Ish. Right. Oh. Mm. The, the, the interesting thing the interesting thing when I look at all of these uh, metaphors, for me, one of the, the the weird things my mind is my mind does is just to see connections, right? I, I keep telling you guys here at Timothy Project I'm not an originator of knowledge. I'm just a synthesizer. I just I'm able to see things and connect them, connect the dots, right? I, I am not I am not exceptionally creating something that has not been created before. The biblical authors have done their part for us. Us is just to see the connections. In, in in the day of on the day of Pentecost, Jesus promises the disciples that you know what, I'm giving you a commission, I'm giving you a job to do. There's something that I need you to guys to do, but there's something you need to accomplish the, the task. And the Bible says that he has them to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole place And where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The beautiful thing is that when the Holy Spirit came in, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, we see all these elements at work. We see the the life-giving element of the Holy Spirit at work. We see the mighty rushing wind. And we see the fire of God appearing as well. What what was Jesus Christ telling us in, in, in that action? What is God telling us in coming down in that form? What he's saying is that anybody who is in Christ Jesus and receives the Holy Spirit, number one, by coming down in the form of a, a, the wind you know that even in the greek the word pneuma which is the word translated spirit there's no distinction between wind and spirit even in the greek right wow. so when the holy spirit just like there's no distinction in breath and and wind and spirit in the hebrew word, we have the similarity here in the in the greek so just as the holy spirit was the life giving source in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is the life-giving power to, that raises us from death to life. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, as the wind of God, the executing power in the Old Testament, is the one who empowers the believer to do the will of God. That is why He came as a mighty rushing wind. He's drawing our attention to something. I would say that the the, the words of the the biblical authors are always important, and He comes down in the form of a fire signifying that God's manifest presence is here in us, with us, and not only so, that God is approved of us. So as New Testament believers, when the devil is condemning you or letting you feel inadequate and letting you feel like God does not love you, you should understand that once you have the Holy Spirit, God is approved of you. Mm.
1: Right. Mm. This and, is a lot to digest.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one of those things that you just need to sit down and uh, let it let it marinate in your hearts. Meditate on it. I
1: was and, about to and- say meditation. <laughs> this this requires meditation. All those who are struggling to have quiet time, this this is a good subject to do quiet time on because it will leave you thinking for a while. Um, I have a question though. I mean, we we. Um, Currently, as Christians, I mean, we still see the work of the Holy Spirit as a life giving source because without that, uh, our spirits will not be awakened. We will not be um, alive in God. And I still see His work as, you know, the wind of God, the executor mm-hmm. of God's will, in that He gives, He helps us to understand God's will and then gives us the power to do God's will. I don't see too much, though, you know, like the fire of god like it would be really nice you know if i'm about to if i'm doing something for god and then you know like fire catches like oh like i'm hosting like some ttp meeting being a fire catches the whole building and we're like yeah god has landed i i don't i think i don't think we've seen anything of that sort in in the last century um to, to, for us to see that you know like God has shown His approval for something or that God has um, you know shown His manifest presence in that form. I don't see that happening. Do, do you get where, where the question is going? Yeah,
2: I get I get you. So um, yes, we don't see um, the approval of God in terms of that ever blazing fire and uh, coming down to consume stuff, right? But we we see the approval of God in other ways. That there are other ways that God makes us know now, right? That He still approved of some of the things that we're doing and that He is with us in the things that we do and that He is his, his manifest active presence is here with us. For instance, um, uh, when we go out to preach the gospel, right, God confirms. That he's approved of the message that we are preaching. The Bible says, and the spirit working with them, confirming their words with signs, miracles, and wonders. So that is that is that is the, the way by which God confirms his approval of us in the, in the work that we do in our ministries and our lives, right? Uh, even though the, the 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 physical mood may have changed like fire, nonetheless, the Holy Spirit is still. The source that God uses to show His approval of us. I don't know if I'm if I'm making sense here.
1: Definitely, yeah. Um, sorry, you just said something though that uh, struck a thought to me. You know, you mentioned how he confirms with uh, Miracle, Signs, and Wonders, and the thought just came to me that we're often looking to see, uh, like Ivan mentioned earlier on in the podcast, a physical representation of this miracle or a physical representation. Like, even I am questioning now, like, we want to see the actual fire, you know, blazing, and it just occurred to me that, like, that fire is, 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 um you know, like, we're preaching to somebody, you're changing, the Holy Spirit's comes to them, changes their mindset, um, helps them come to Christ, that that is a wonder, that is a miracle, that is the fire of God, you know, the manifest presence of God in their lives.
2: Yeah, I don't don't remember the exact author I read, but uh, one author I read, uh, the greatest miracle on earth, right, is that a man would change his heart and turn his life around. Because that's the one thing that's difficult for men to do. Mm-hmm. People try to change. There are, there are rehabilitation centers all over the world. People are going for counseling. People are going to therapy and everything. Not to say that those things are not good. But we, we see the difficulty that men go through to try to turn their lives around. And the Holy Spirit is able to do it in a second, in a twinkling of an eye. It's able to turn a man's life in a totally different direction. And that is the greatest miracle of all. That god is able to reach into the heart of dead men and bring them back to life
1: yeah and i mean of course it references the scripture that you know is quoted in the blog post about how god um in in i think it was in let me check it out real quick it basically referencing the um, okay so i found it ezekiel chapter 36 and um, verse 26 and i'll give you a new heart and a new spirit i'll put within you and i'll remove the heart of stone from your f- from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and i'll put my spirits within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules i mean if you've never um evangelized to somebody or if you've never witnessed somebody genuinely coming to christ i mean i it, you just have to see it it's it's just mind-boggling um to see to see the transformation happen to see somebody that has been shackled by saying that has been struggling with their deaths to see a zombie coming to life basically is what's happening and it, it really truly is the greatest miracle um Ivan, what's your opinion on all this what are your thoughts on this?
3: i i I think. I think these are um, very, is the word I'm looking for, comfort or comforting. or oh, they are very nice things to know about what the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives now. Because um, when we went back to Acts chapter two, we saw the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a wind and in fire, and it shows. Um, it's it's like. A confirmation of what Jesus told the disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes he would give you would empower you to do what I've asked you to do so it was necessary that on at the on the day of Pentecost the metaphor of the wind would be used for the presence of the Holy Spirit because we've seen that it's that's um that characteristic that makes him the um, empowering force or the empowering nature of God to do His will, right? So it's it's it was imperative that that would happen because they needed the power to go and evangelize, and then it was necessary for the Holy Spirit to come in the form of fire because there has to be some form of approval, some form of some sign of approval on you guys because you guys are just one twenty guys who are going to start spreading a message that nobody nobody uh-huh. would believe naturally a messenger yeah. sounds so upset it should have been uh-huh. some kind of approval and I think the approval sometimes we look for the approval in a way that's okay God has to um, show his approval on me so that another person would know that I've been approved of God but I think that in this um, instance the disciples themselves needed to know that God god approves of us and sometimes mm-hmm. god does that god approves of us not for other people to see but for you to also know that well you have the approval so you can go ahead and go and do the work and um, so for me when when you ask the question about um we're not seeing that fire now i think sometimes it's i don't say it's not necessary but I think that God does not need to show it to other people all the time, but for you to know that he has approved of you, he will show you certain signs. And um, when you go and preach the gospel, you see it that what God will give you as much that is necessary for you to know that he has approved of you. So if it's um, a, just somebody accepting the message you've preached and turning their lives around that is what you do if it's healing that you need to see to believe maybe the person getting healed of an infirmity or something he will do it for you to show you that he has approved of you so i think i think all these things some um, mostly end up inside the life of a believer and then for the for most of the old testament one thing i notice is that god does external things and then um changes things inside people's hearts for most of the new testaments it's people's hearts changing and then external things happen so i think that for the new testament believer you shouldn't necessarily be wondering or probably waiting for fire to show up in your church or maybe Mm. one time your pastor is preaching and then the building catches fire i mean we've heard um, testimonies of that in in some of some testimonies of that in some of the revivals that have taken place but you don't necessarily need to see all those things to know that god has approved of you or to know that the holy spirit is moving in your midst you should look for the things that jesus or the the new testament prescribes that people are being changed people are giving their lives to christ people are people's lives are becoming better because of the gospel people have, people become um, entirely sold out to God. Um, One of the things we, we, rea- we realize in the New Testament is that because of the things that the Holy Spirit did, people left what they were used to to follow Jesus, right? So when you start seeing those signs, you should not still be waiting on a big thing or some wild manifestation for you to know that the Holy Spirit is working.
1: All right, that's a that's a wonderful observation. That was, that was powerful. Uh, we're pressed for time actually, and I think that I mean currently this has been my favorite podcast of the year. I'm waiting to see if there's another one that will beat this uh, as we move along. Um, I'd wanted each of us to share how this would change our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think that we have sort of mentioned these things, you know, as we've been talking, Um, personally for me, I would go with um, the Holy Spirit as the wind of God, knowing that he's the executor of God's will, and having that, knowing that I have the Holy Spirit, and so I have access to knowing God's will, and executing God's will, I think it's knowledge that um, I had, but wisdom that I did not implement, right, and so that, I think that would be for me, like the the moving forward in my relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's you know a new area that I'm going to pay more attention to and explore more. Um, and then also, I think like even listening to this has just revived my passion for um, evangelizing again because that's such a, a a that's our mission, that's our mandate to spread the gospel and i love what ivan said about how you know in the new testament we see more of an internalized change leading to external actions rather than an external action leading to internalized change and so you know we're going to we're going to invest more into that into becoming the best christian i can be internally knowing that in my journey to doing that god is externally working out You know, some things or or helping others through my internal personal mission. Um, there's something that um a pastor I love when he says, Pastor Roderick, he says he says always that your Christian life is personal, but it's not private. It's it's personal to you, but it shouldn't be private. It's it's something that others should be able to look to, it's something that others should be able to um draw from, right? Um so Ivan, for you, which which part is really going to, um, which part of today's conversation is going to really help um, improve on your relationship with the Holy
3: Spirit? Um, well, for me, it it would be two of the metaphors, which is the the breath and the wind. So the breath, um, I mentioned earlier that the thing that stood out for me with that was that was what differentiated us from all the other things that God created, um, that he breathed into man and man became a living soul. So it's, um, it goes to show that without God's breath, you are really not living to your full capacity. So for me now moving forward, well, I'm a Christian. I've always prayed. I've always had a, a personal relationship with God. But moving forward, um, I would have this mindset or i will have this um, understanding that what differentiates me from every other creature or every other kind of person that is around is God's breath in me and the Holy Spirit living inside to cause me to live the life that God has ordained for me to live. And um, it means that I shouldn't expect to think like the rest of the world. I mm. shouldn't expect to do to have the same uh, priorities as the rest of the world. I shouldn't be bothered if I see those differences, because ultimately the difference is the life-giving source in me. Yeah. Mm. And for the wind, as you mentioned, it's is what is going to empower me to do the will of God. So now, when I get tired or when I get a little stressed or when I feel like I'm not up to the task, I know that there is the Holy Spirit who is working inside me to do the will of God. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's lovely. Uh, Pastor Beth, which which aspects?
2: I think for me, it would be wind and fire. Um, Fire because the Holy Spirit, we are saying, his presence in a place signifies the a manifest presence of God and it signifies the approval of God as well. You know, sometimes as believers, sometimes we live with the thought that, oh, I'm not ple- I'm not pleasing in God's sight. I am not um, liked by God. I may have done this or that. But the mere presence of the Holy Spirit in my life tells me that God is approved of me. Mm-hmm. Tells me that God sees me valuable. Tells me that God loves me. Tells me that I am no longer condemned. Because the spirit of the living God has made his abode in me and with me. So it tells me that I'm approved of God. And for me, that's one of the the biggest liberating things that I've ever learned from scripture. If there's anything that keeps me going day by day, that keeps me in my walk with God, it is to know that I am loved beyond anything else. And that Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit in my life tells me that God is approved of me. And uh, secondly, the wind, because it tells me that I do not have to whip up some internal uh, strength or some esoteric energies to be able to do the will of God. The one who does God's will. Imagine this. The one who executes God's will on the cosmic level, bringing all this creation to bear, is at work in me to help me do the will of God. Oh, so for me, that's that's where I find my consolation. So it tells me that there's nothing that God will ask me to do that I don't have the capacity to do because His Spirit is within me. That's why one of my favorite scriptures has always been that scripture in Philippians chapter 2 where Paul says, for it is God that is at work in us, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So it doesn't matter what comes my way. I know I can do the will of God. When God asks us to go out to preach the gospel, uh, ours is not to find out whether or not we we can say, even tell the disciples, when they bring you before the magistrates and the judges and before the rulers and the authorities, do Mm -hmm. not even think about what you would say. For the Holy Spirit in you would give you a chance. See, you're
1: opening up a whole new conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, our time for today is, you know, all done. Uh, but I mean, this episode has been amazing. I, 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 I genuinely would have to listen to this myself throughout the week. Um, this is such life affirming and uh, good material for growth, really. Uh, I think that in our, our growth as Christians or in our journey as Christians, we always sort of reach these periods of stagnancy Uh, where we become comfortable with certain routines and start to ignore, you know, the the depth and like, Charlie, the heaviness of what it is we're dealing with. Like Pastor B said that, you know, the, the Holy Spirit who is able to carry out the cosmic will of God, like in creating the world, the Holy Spirit was involved. And that same Holy Spirit is empowering me to do something as little as, stand up in a trotter and speak to people about God that's the power that is available to us and and it's not available after you've done a 20-year mountain prayer and fasting it's available right right at this very second that power is available to you all you have to do is reach out to God for it that's just mind-boggling um Listen, we love to hear from you. If you have any questions, you know you want to uh, ask more about this or you want to just interact with us, we're, we're more than happy to do so. Please do well to follow us on our social media. Again, on IG, we are the underscore Timothy underscore project. On Twitter, we are at TTP, that's all in caps underscore Ghana, all in lowercase letters. And on Facebook, we are the Timothy project uh until next time I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've heard of the holy spirits of several other things and this is not the end of the series this is only the second installments in the series so you better believe we have even more amazing things coming your way uh this has been insightful this has been lovely i want to say a big thank you to my guest um pastor b and ivan the great who has finally come on my podcast Woo-hoo! uh Thank you all. Today has been amazing and God bless each and every one of you. Stay safe. Listen to this over and over again. Take take a pen and paper to it and make some lifestyle changes. See you when we see you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Between the Lines by the Timothy Project. The Timothy Project is a crowdfunded discipleship ministry that seeks to train and disciple young believers presenting them perfect to Christ what we do here is made possible by your generous gifts and donations if you've been blessed and seek to support us you can find our giving options in the description below keep tabs on our website for exciting blog posts you can also interact with us on our social media handles in the description below the Timothy project presenting every man perfect